looking at 1 Corinthians, aren't we? We're doing a series. So if you've got your Bible, uh, take that out because it will help us a lot. If you can read with me. Does anyone take notes in this church? Does anyone take notes? Mm. Okay, that's good. <laughs> okay, right. We're just going to go through... I'm actually going to read 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, and then I'm actually going to look at 1 Corinthians 3. This keeps flashing on and off. Um, Not quite sure why. No, okay. Right, so 1 Corinthians 1, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the Lord, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you are waiting for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarrelling among you by my brothers, What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptised in the name of Paul? I thank God that I I baptised none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptised in my name. I did baptise also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptised anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptise, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? 
For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were noble by birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Is everyone with me still? Corinthians 2 says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except for Christ Jesus and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might rest in the wisdom, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So, also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. I hope you're all with me still. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them, because they are not spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord, so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen.
Amen. Praise God for his word. You know, I come up here to preach and I think, oh, what will I say? What will I do? But we have the Bible, don't we? We have the word of God and we've got to preach from the Bible. We can't preach our own words or our own thoughts. We preach from this. And anything that is not of God, may it fall away. So what is happening here? What has happened? I know Simon's gone through it a little bit. Um, we went through Corinthians 1, then we went through Corinthians 2 last week. What is happening here? Any takers? What is happening? Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, but what's he, what's he saying to them? What's he saying? This is really annoying. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So he's received a report. Paul established this church in Acts 18. You can read about it. Paul established the church and he spent about 18 months with them. And then as soon as he... It's flashing, isn't it? Is it? Oh, oh wonderful. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> stressing out I'm looking at that and it's flashing on and off and on and off wonderful good that's what matters right anyway so Paul set up this church and this is quite special to me because I always think of my parents they set up a church in Spain they gathered some people that were interested believers some non-believers some skeptics and they they gathered these people in Spain and they nurtured them for years and years, and it's the same sort of process. Paul gathered uh, these people in Corinth, um, and he was sent by God to go there. He gathered them, spent 18 months with them, teaching them the basics about God and Jesus and, and Jesus' death and resurrection. And then he leaves them after uh, a year and a half, and things start to go downhill. And they argue and they quarrel. And, and we've read it, haven't we? Some say, I follow Paul within the church. And some say, I follow Apollos. And some say, I follow Cephas. And some say, I follow Christ. And so imagine it here in our ch church. I don't know who to pick on, really. But imagine uh, some of us uh, in the church, this group here, the young people say, oh, I follow Maureen. And then this group over here say, oh, I follow Michelle. And then uh, another group in the back say, oh, I'm following Les. And then another group say, I'm following Christ. What a mess. What a mess. It was a real mess. And there, were there was bickering within the church. There was division in the church. There were some people thinking they were right, other people thinking they were right. So just a church full of big personalities and division and, and loyalties in different areas. And that is the church that Paul is writing to. They're completely split. And that's why I've got this picture here. A church split in half. We've got two sides. A, sp a, sp a church split actually in four. Following, each following someone. The book of Corinthians, and I really recommend that we all read it, deals with a lot of issues, but the division is the first issue that it, the division in the church is the first issue that the book deals with. Perhaps because it was the most important. If you have a divided church, you can't really 
deal with other issues because the church is already split. So that's where Paul starts. So there's a lot of quarrelling among them. And then uh, Paul says, is Christ divided? He says to them, is Christ divided? Well, of course not. Christ is not divided. He is one. And that's who they should be following. So a church of open arguments, looking down on each other, resentment, arrogance and distraction. In, two, in Philippians 2, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if there's any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, if there's anything of that, just anything, something of that, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And then Jesus prays, doesn't he? I pray not only for them, but also for those who believe in me through their word, so that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and I have given them glory, and I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Those were Jesus' words, that, that we would be one, that we would be one. So Paul is writing to them and saying, come on, guys, you've got to get over this and, and focus on Jesus and be one in Christ. And then he goes on to say that I didn't come to you. This is in verse in chapter two. It says, I didn't come to you in wisdom and arrogance and boasting. I came to you in weakness. So where have you got this from? I didn't come in that, in that uh, attitude. I didn't come with that. I came in the spirit. So he's pointing them to be people that are spiritual people and not people of the flesh. And then he says, God's wisdom is not the world's wisdom. So stop using your human minds, your human attitudes, your human thoughts to analyse and to judge and to rank people and to say, I follow him and I follow that person. And stop using that. You're spiritual people. You've been bought with a price. And, and God's wisdom is not the wisdom of this world. So get in line. Stop this arrogance and stop this division. That's basically what it's saying in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 1 and 2. And then comes the real telling off, and we're going to read it in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 3. He says, But I, brothers, when I was with you, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for you are still in the flesh, for whilst there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants, through, who, through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each, 
I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, give, uh, of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, uh, uh, which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you know that you are God's temple, or do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men. And this is amazing, this part. For all things are yours whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or future, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Amen. Amen. I love this because it must have been disappointing for Paul to hear a report from Chloe's people uh, to say that they were messing about and, and arguing. and It must have been disappointing for him to have got that news after spending months and months of hard work, encouraging people, teaching people, and then you hear reports that they're just divided and, and arguing over petty, stupid things, insignificant things. But Paul still addresses them as brothers. In 1 Corinthians 3... It says, but I, brothers, brothers. He calls them brothers. And I love that because the best people are those people that are, you know, maybe give you a bit of a telling off, but do it in love. And that's what Paul is doing to them. That, that's his church. They're his people. And he calls them brothers, my family. And reminding them that they're a part of a family. They're a family, they're one family. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people. He calls them carnal people. He calls them people of the flesh. 
I've got an image here of milk. He said, when I was with you, I fed you with milk and not solid food. For you were not ready at the time for solid food. You weren't ready for, for food that had substance. You weren't ready for spiritual things of substance. You could only stomach milk when I was with you. And still now, you can only stomach milk. Not spiritual things of substance and of all the things that God had, has for us. But you can only take this. You can only... Uh, uh, drink milk like babies. In other words, you're a church of big babies. Imagine receiving that letter. Imagine. You're all big babies. Have you ever seen a really big baby? <laughs> a big, big, big baby. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's, it's really just uh, actually a damning message to receive that we're a church of of people that cannot, have not grown in Christ. We've not moved on from these stupid quarrelling. That reminds us, doesn't it, as a church, that God wants us to move in, in stages up. He doesn't want us to be years, 50 years, 40 years, 20 years, even two years, one year, months. God doesn't want us to be where we were. He wants us to grow, doesn't he? He wants us to move. Just as a mother or father would want their child to grow in, in a natural way, God wants us to grow, doesn't he? And Paul's saying, you're still on milk. You're still at this milk stage and you're not onto the meat of God, the, the substance. And he calls them people of the flesh earthly people with their minds like on things of the world rather than on things of of uh, heaven i've got this really good image here he calls them carnal people look at the third image he calls them carnal people people of the flesh uh, that think only with their emotions their smell their their sight their hearing, their, their feelings, all, all emotions and all things of the flesh. And he calls them carnal people, doesn't he? Now look at this. The ego self is on the throne when you're a carnal person. And Christ, look at the cross, is in subjection. It's, at, it's like actually at the foot, feet of the throne, the place that is the worst place, isn't it? It's almost like where a servant would be. So it's, it's in that low place. And the interests of life are all around. They're not in a proper order. So the control center, or the, the, the place of control, the throne, is actually controlled by self. That's what it means to be a carnal person. Now, look at the spiritual man. When This is when we... Uh, and actually, let's just notice as well that Christ is in the picture. A carnal man means that Christ has... You know, you've received Christ, but he's in your life, but you're still on the throne. So Christ is in the picture. Now, the people, people that do not know the Lord and haven't received Christ as their Lord and Saviour, 
Christ is out of the picture, so it's kind of a bit more understandable. But with the carnal man, Christ is in the picture, but not on the throne. And we know, don't we, that Christ can only be on the throne. He, doesn't, he won't take any other place. He doesn't have any influence or power in, in our lives at, that, at the foot. He only, he only can be in that throne position. Now, the spiritual man, the middle image, that's the, that's the way we should all be. With Christ on the throne, ego is at the foot, and all the interests of life are all in their proper place, their right place, but Christ is on the throne. And he was saying, Paul was saying to the church, you're all like this one. Even the people that said, I follow Christ, no, you're all there because you're creating division. You're creating division. And my question, and you know, when we're asked to preach, I don't know if anyone else finds this, it's really difficult because you, you think, I'm not really worthy to give this message. And I was thinking, Lord, which one am I? Which one are you this morning? Look back maybe your last year, which one was I in that image? I want to be the spiritual man that it says in the middle. I want Christ to be on the throne of my life and calling all the shots in my life and all the interests of life and all the things are in, in proper place. And my life functions well then and it glorifies God in that place. Which one are you this morning? There's a great quote that says, the carnal Christian is a child of God, born again and on his way to heaven, but he is traveling in third class. We recently took a, a flight, didn't we, Ben? And, uh, well, you'll know this, but you have to walk past first class, don't you? <laughs> and you have to walk past business class. And then there's third class. And you sit down and you think, oh, <laughs> I got to see all the reclined beds and, you know, the nice service. I've actually flown on uh, first class before because we used to have a friend that worked for BA. And um, it was the best flight in the, <laughs> in the world. They, they gave us a menu and said, what would you like from the menu? We had lamb and um, they, they brought round little hot towels to wipe your hands after your meal. I mean, it was just wonderful. But this is just to tell you that, you know, when we live a life with God in the picture, but not in the, on the throne... We are going to heaven, we will spend eternal life, but we're going there uh, third class. And there's so much more that God wants for us. There you go, the carnal Christian is a child of God, born again and on his way to heaven, but he is traveling in third class, right at the back, in an economy class. Then we go to verse... Uh, verse 4 to 5 it says for when one of you says i follow paul and another says i follow apollos are you not being human are you not being of this world flesh 
fleshy people, carnal people, just using your senses and using your mind. And then it says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? And I love this because Paul is actually not just telling them off and tells them to forget everything, but he's re-educating them. He's trying to give them a proper perspective of what Paul is to them and what Christ is and what Cephas is and what Apollos is. He's trying to re-educate them. And he says, what are we then? We're servants. That's what we are. We're servants. And the word here is a table waiter. Now, there's, I think there's two words in the Greek. One is like a servant who washes feet. But this one is more like a table waiter. So imagine it. Uh, a table waiter who serves tables. He's not the one who's made the meal. He's not the food. He's just serving the food. He's just serving the food. And Paul says, actually, we're just that. We're not these fantastic people that you should follow and you should think of us so highly. We're just table waiters. We're just servants. They're not the honoured guests. They're not the owners of the restaurant. They're not the makers of the food. They are just the table waiters. That's what Paul says. And Paul is writing this. And, you know, Paul could have taken glory in having a bit of a following in that church but he didn't he said I'm actually nothing you know imagine it there are a lot of people and and perhaps we would fall into that trap and you think oh I've got a bit of a following in Corinth that's quite nice I might go and visit them and you know rub shoulders with them and get some free meals at their houses and you know enjoy the perks but Paul says no 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 I'm just a table waiter and Paul had it straight didn't he he had it straight in his mind of what he was and what he wasn't and then he says, through who you believed. We're just servants through who you believed. We're just vessels through who you believed as the Lord assigned it. They were just vessels with God flowing through them. They were just vessels. He had it completely clear of what his job was. That means that the power brought to you in faith does not reside in me. It resides in Jesus Christ and it flows through me. Now, you know, in our houses, it'd be mad to like adore like the copper pipes in the houses and, and, and think, oh, the copper pipes, oh, how lovely the copper pipes. But they are a vessel, aren't they, that bring water to us. The water is the thing that brings us refreshment and nourishment. And that's exactly what Paul was saying. We're like those copper pipes. Don't adore the pipes in the house. Adore the water, Jesus Christ, that flows through them and gives you life and refreshment. Now, the waiter may be courteous. It might be difficult might be full of joy but it's the food that he brings that the food is Jesus Christ and that's what ultimately counts and Paul was saying we are not the saviors we are not the gospel we are not the Holy Spirit we're not the source of power we are not God we are just table waiters amen
may we be as a church when when people give us a compliment or maybe let's just remember we're servants we're servants we're the table waiters we it's our pleasure to serve the food of god in a sense i know obviously god isn't food but he is the substance and we are just serving that god is the master and not us so boast in the lord so then he says that i planted apollos watered but god gave the growth i planted Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. We are servants and we've planted, we've watered, but God gives the growth. So again, Paul is directing them to God. He's saying, it's not us, don't follow us, don't rank us in your church. God, God is the one who gives the increase. God is the one who gives the growth. And actually, that's a huge relief, isn't it, for us that work for the Lord. It's God who gives the increase. It's God who gives the growth. We're just vessels. I think I've got a picture for this. We're just servants of Jesus Christ. We're just vessels with God flowing through us. And then there's that wonderful image there that you are God's field. He says, we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field and you are God's building. I love that. A field and a building. The church is a field and a building of God. It's a temple, it's a field, it's a building of God. Bought by God and bought with a price. If you buy a field, if you buy a building, whose field is it? Whose building it is? Is it? It's the one who bought it and God has purchased us. So we don't belong to Apollos. We don't belong to Paul. We belong to Christ. It says, doesn't it, in the word of God, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Ultimately, the church does not belong to us. The church belongs to God, and he is the owner, and he is cultivating his field and causing all the growth. Amen. So let's move on a little bit. I'm just going to sort of glaze over uh, uh, chapter 10, sorry, verse 10 to 15. It's talking here about um, that one day we'll be tested for all that we do. And uh, it says that you will get a reward for the things that you do. But it says only God knows that, really. Only God. And I think the point Paul was making here is actually stop measuring people, stop measuring me, or because actually only the day will discover that. Only the day, and that's the judgment day, which is capitalized in, in my Bible here, the, d- the day will disclose it because it will be revealed. All that we've done will be revealed and tested through fire. Not exactly sure how that will work, but that's the point, is that you don't really know what you're looking at, church, by, by uh, measuring people, because only the day will disclose that. It's not for you, it's not up to you to say, oh, look how fantastic Paul is, or look how fantastic Sam Joseph is, or look how fantastic, um, I don't know, uh, Granville is, because 
actually only God knows what will happen on that day. So stop measuring people. Only God knows on that day. And and we've seen, haven't we, in, in Christian culture, there's many people that have, we've thought, have lived wonderful, holy, godly lives. And actually when they die or perhaps later on in their life, something comes out and you think, wow, could have never expected that. Only God really knows. And I think that's what Paul is saying in this part where he's talking about uh, the fire will reveal it and, and the day will disclose the, the work we've done and how almost valuable we are. The day will disclose that. And he's kind of saying, you have no idea what you're looking at by judging people and ranking people and, and following some and not following others. You have no idea. Leave it to God. God knows all these things and not you. And then uh, let's, let's just move on a little bit. I thought there was no way I'd be able to fill 50 minutes, but I think I could have. Anyway, then he says, um, you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Now, that's quite scary, isn't it? Our division, and let's speak for ourselves in this church. If we cause division, if we focus on things that aren't of God, we could be destroying this temple, this field, this building. We could be ruining it. And it does say really plain, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. We've got to be holy. What does that mean? We have to be clean. Like uh, Margaret said, we've got to empty the rubbish from our life. Empty the rubbish from our lives and empty the rubbish from our church because we're we're individuals but we're a collective aren't we as soon as we join this church we become a family and sometimes there's ugly things in families and we have to weed that out the rubbish out of the church if there are any divisions among you we have to weed it out for god's temple is a holy place and you are that temple and don't mess with the temple of god that's what Paul is saying here. God's spirit dwells in you. And if anyone destroys it, God will destroy him. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him think again. Let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. Simon talked about that, didn't he, last week, about the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. But they're just not the same at all. God's wisdom is what we want to, to have and to be and to, to uphold. And the wisdom of this world, the most clever people of this world, the logic of this world is foolishness to God. And it says, doesn't it, that he catches the wise in their craftiness. You see, when you think you're wise in, in things of the world, God will catch you out because it's, it's rubbish, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. And then it says, doesn't it, Paul says, stop boasting. Stop boasting in men. 
he says, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. And this is where I'm going to end. For all things are yours. Stop boasting in men. Stop boasting in the world. Stop boasting in one another. Stop enjoying and ranking one another and and using your human wisdom to judge where how wonderful someone is and, and become a follower of this person. Stop using all your human uh, wisdom. Let no one boast in men. Let no one boast in men. Because all things are yours in Christ. All things are yours. Now, when you affiliate yourself with someone and you think, oh, um, I hope they notice me and, and I want to be just like them, you can have that. But Jesus is saying, but all things are yours in me. Why would you want to go any other place when all things are yours? And then he says, doesn't he, Paul is yours, Apollos is yours, Cephas is yours, the world is yours, life is yours, death is yours, the present, the future, all are yours because you are Christ's and Christ is God's. All is yours. Why would you want to try and follow someone when I've I've won it all for you on the cross. I've done everything for you. You are mine. What could you want following someone else? All is yours. All is yours. It's almost shameful and absurd and ridiculous to want to follow someone else when all is yours in Christ Jesus because you are Christ's and Christ is God's. I always think of those Russian dolls. Can you picture them? You are you are there and you're in Christ and Christ is in God and there you are there's the russian doll you you have it all stop following people within the church and causing division when all is yours in Christ all is yours all is yours all is yours don't latch yourself to any other because all is yours and you belong to the maker of all people and of all things. Amen. Amen. Such knowledge and such security knowing that all is ours in Christ's. We have no reason to boast in ourselves, in men, but boast in the Lord, boast, be proud, be grateful, pointing to him, glorifying God. We have everything in him. Let's pray. Oh, hallelujah. Oh Lord, this feels like such a challenge, God, because sometimes we, we are divided, Lord. Sometimes we think badly of others sometimes we think we're, we're right and others are wrong lord we can be proud oh god we don't want to be destroyers of your temple of your field of your building that you've won lord and you've bought with a price lord it's just making a mess lord of something so sacred and holy so forgive us lord when we cause divisions, Lord, forgive us, Lord. When we cause divisions, when we argue, Lord Jesus, when we think we're right, when we look down on your temple, on your church, on your building, on your field, 
that you have bought with a price, Lord. We want to just empty that rubbish from our hearts and from this church, God. Lord, we don't want to use human wisdom, Lord. We want to have the wisdom of Christ, the wisdom of God, which says this is the church and I love her and I have won her and she is holy and she is precious. Lord, we want to have that mind among us as a church. Grow us, Lord Jesus, into the church that you want us to be. May we not just be concerned with things of the flesh. May we be spiritual people. Oh, Lord, I just thank you for your word. Look at all that comes from your word. Look at the challenge. Look at the, the um, encouragement that comes from your word. Thank you for the word of God that is wonderful food. And, Lord, we glorify you this morning. And we want to boast... Not in men, not in ourselves, Lord Jesus. Oh, what a shame that would be, God. But we want to boast in you, the living God, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that all things are ours. Whether it be Paul, Apollos, Cephas, or the world, life, death, or present, or the future, all are ours and we are Christ's and Christ is God's. Amen.